I definitely do understand there are definitely countries and cultures where being inclusive, promoting pride, LGBTQ life may not be the way of that culture, the norms of those people. However, we know that they are LGBTQ folks every single place, all across this world, in every single level of employment. So we still have to be smart in terms of how we brand ourselves as a company so that those folks who are still not out in the workplace, they still know that they can show up to your company and that they will still be able to be celebrated and that they will be able to work there in peace. Hi there, wanna hear? Welcome to Stories from the Field, a production from Firefly Inclusion Solutions. Each day, Jason and I are fortunate to meet and work with individuals that are driving culture and systems change across their communities, in their organizations, and across the globe. From diversity, equity, and inclusion experts to enthusiasts from all fields and disciplines, we're thrilled to bring you their insights and stories of transformation. Let's get started. All right. Welcome, everybody. So excited to be here with Jeremy Helston, who is the director of the LGBT Chamber of Commerce in Illinois. Welcome, Jeremy. Happy hey. to have you here. Yeah. Hey, Jason. Thank you so much for having me. And, you know, again, I've had the chance to, to read your bio. We've actually been you know, in some of the same rooms, given our cross-section of work, but I'd love to give you some space to allow you to introduce yourself to our audience. Tell us all about kind of your journey and your role to the Chamber of Commerce uh, in that leadership space. Sure. So hello again, everyone. My name is Jeremy Holston. My pronouns are he, him, his. And again, currently I serve as the director of the LGBT Chamber of Commerce of Illinois. I am originally from Gaston, Alabama, born and raised Alabamian, proud graduate of a historically black college and university, Alabama State University, which is located in Montgomery, Alabama. I graduated from there in 2010 with a degree in communications and then made the exciting journey to Springfield, Illinois. I tell people that I did, so I don't either, Google Maps was not a thing or I did not think to use it. I did not know that Springfield was three hours away from Chicago. I thought I was coming to the city. And I was quite surprised. So I spent four years in Springfield working with the governor's office there, doing some great work in terms of working with constituents, state agencies, and then also other senior leaders within the office. One of my proud moments is being there when the governor signed marriage equality for the state of Illinois. So um, a memory that I will always have with me. While in Springfield, I had the great chance also attending the University of Illinois at Springfield. I received my master's of public public administration and a certificate in nonprofit management while there. Through that program, I had the opportunity to take a fundraising class, which was so fascinating and so exciting for me and really sort of formed the way I wanted to approach my professional career in the nonprofit space. So immediately after finishing graduate school in 2013, I started looking for an opportunity to transition to fundraising. And so I found a great opportunity to work in strategic fundraising consulting primarily working with organizations on capital campaigns, particularly in the religious space. 
spent about two and a half years there working with, again, local churches to raise significant dollars to impact their local communities to build new churches, to invest in scholarships, and really to make sure that their local religious community was taken care of for future years. After spending some time there, I have now landed at the LGBT Chamber of Commerce, where we are a statewide chamber advocating for nearly 50,000 LGBTQ business owners across the state of Illinois. Today, we have more than 300 members who we support with marketing, networking, professional development, and advocacy. Another great resource that we offer is access to the LGBT Business Enterprise Certification. So many might be familiar with certification for minority, women, disabled, or veteran-owned businesses, but there's also a certification available for LGBT-owned businesses. So one of our primary roles in Illinois is to be the chief advocate in encouraging government throughout Illinois to start including LGBT businesses in their supplier diversity programs. And so that's also something that we are working on in an effort that I have been proud to lead now for the past four years. As I hear you talk about your background, I used to work for the Department of Commerce for the Workforce Investment Act, so I can understand that drive (laughs) to Springfield, Illinois, or even further down if you had to go all the way down to Southern Illinois. So I really appreciate that part of the story. You know, what I really like as you as you describe, you know, the just the breadth of the community that you reach and and the impact that you have. You know, there's a lot of talk these days around the great resignation and the fact that many people who may feel underrepresented or underestimated or unheard are leaving the corporate space and changing careers or starting their own businesses, or some of them are just leaving with no plan in mind. And, and I think that's a very interesting place to be as a society I'd love to to ask you if there's any advice you would offer for those individuals who are making the move. And is there any advice that you would want to offer to employers, you know, on how to keep individuals? So I'll start with the people leaving and then I'll ask you to follow up with what we would say to employers or businesses. Sure. So first, to those people deciding to invest into themselves and to move on, some things that I would encourage you to think about. One is don't be afraid to take the journey. It's definitely one that will be challenging, but all things in life are challenging. And so invest in yourself if you're going to be in that ride. Do think about where you're trying to go and some things that you can do along the way to maybe help make that process a little bit easier. So for example, I recently did just launch a new small business where I provide nonprofit board consulting. So knowing that that was something that I've been wanting to do for the past year, one of the things that I decided to do over the summer was to complete a certificate in nonprofit board consulting from one of the leading organizations that provides resources and training on nonprofit board engagement. And so now with that information, with that skills, I can now use that information and those credentials to be an advocate for myself when talking to new clients. In addition, you know, it's one of those things that still remains true. Connections and relationships are the true part of the game. So do not be hesitant about going to networking events, introducing yourself and letting people know what you're looking for and and why you're there, really. 
Do not be afraid to use LinkedIn. Whenever I've been job searching or looking for new clients, LinkedIn has always been one of my favorite resources to utilize. Especially when you think about being in a job transition, LinkedIn is one of the best opportunities to use really in twofold. One, it gives you people that you can sort of identify by company and also by industry, by title. And so you can reach out to folks who are either working at the company or might be in similar fields just to get some information on how to do this work better or how to be more thoughtful and a better champion when you're going through the interview process. So really just gave some great tips on how to make that transition. And then, of course, just being able to also identify folks who are willing to be referral partners for you as you are job searching. We all know that at some point you're either going to need a referral or you're going to need a friend named Joe to email someone and say, hey, my friend Jeremy just applied. I hope you can look out for him and, and, and let your coworker know to the best resume. And so building relationships is really definitely a part of the game. And so definitely invest into building some relationships, invest in, in gaining the knowledge necessary to make transitions, especially if you're going to a new field that you may not have necessarily been working in on a day-to-day. So, and then again, just don't be afraid. It's definitely a journey. It's going to come of challenges, but a part of that relationship building is that you can learn from others about some mistakes that you can avoid along the way. So those are some suggestions I would give to folks who are making transitions out. And what would you say to the employers that should really strive to keep them? What advice would you give them? Sure. So I would say for sure, you know, begin the process now of trying to get feedback about where your employees are standing. If you're already doing annual evaluations to get feedback from folks about their current feedback and status about where they feel, definitely that's something that you should start doing or find a way to start doing those perhaps within the next quarter. I think often perhaps one thing that you're going to find Many people are leaving companies because they are not given the opportunity to work on the types of projects or to access the type of leadership opportunities that they are looking for. And so a lot of times, if you are able to listen and to be willing to adapt your culture, adapt some policies in some ways, you do still have the power to retain that great talent that you've invested in over the years. And so be open to a conversation, be open to some harsh criticism and some feedback because you are trying to grow. You are trying to keep these people here because they've done so much for your company already. And you don't want to spend all that money now trying to hire new employees and to provide them with training. And so be willing to listen um, and be willing to provide people opportunities to grow within the company in the ways that they are asking you. I know right now we're at a place where talking about COVID and being in the workplace and how we show up in the workplace is a real hot topic at the moment in terms of in-person or remote working. I think a lot of companies are setting some hard lines in place in terms of coming back to the workplace. And so I am hoping that we will see more companies be open and be flexible and really being able to listen to people say that I need to be remote or I need the opportunity to come to work in the morning and then go to the gym and go to lunch and then do whatever else I wanted, then maybe come back and work the rest of the day. Like I want to make the day my own. I want to control my schedule and I want to access these types of projects. So be flexible, be willing to listen 
and be willing to invest in the growth that you want for your company. It's so interesting because in, in our sessions, we often talk about how to build trust. And I feel like a lot of what you just mentioned is you have to treat people like adults <laughs> that mm -hmm. want to have purpose, that want to have meaning, that want to contribute. You know, we're wired for that as human beings. And so I love these suggestions around be, be willing to listen, right? How do you protect the people that are willing to tell you the truth? Because I think that's super hard as we learn in a, in a lot of, <laughs> with a lot of clients that we're working with. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's so interesting, this conversation, because I straddle this line between, you know, DEI consultant and just kind of like pure entrepreneur. So there's always this challenge of like, you know, helping, you know, large companies that affect a lot of people create spaces so that diverse employees can show up and shine and be their great selves. While also like the entrepreneur side of me is like, at the same time, encouraging BIPOC communities to create their own spaces, create their own businesses, like create their own change, empowering that, that kind of change dynamic, especially given the access to technology and, and things like that. In your role, you support so many of these businesses. I think you mentioned over 50,000 within the LGBT Chamber of Commerce. How is that? How has this last year and a half been? We've heard so many stats around how women-owned businesses have been affected and even Black-owned businesses and Hispanic. Are there some interesting insights you'd like to share about what the last year and a half has been for the LGBTQ business community, specifically in Illinois? And then how has the chamber been working to support them through the pandemic and even preparing for what I have been saying for the last year and a half is this kind of new reality that we're going to have to embrace. There's no going back to the way things were before. I know that's a lot in that question, but let me know if you need to repeat it. No, that was perfect. And I think, you know, one of the things that I am sort of as a person who works at a chamber, who is excited about small businesses and entrepreneurs, I think that's one of the things, one of the bright sides that a person in my sort of space and yours sort of sees from the pandemic is that we are now seeing the emergence of so many small businesses and people who are like, I'm going to create my own opportunity. I had no choice. This is my time. And so there are so many people who are seeing this pandemic as a chance to work for themselves, to invest in their families, to invest into their communities. And so I'm so excited about the direction that we're headed and especially what this means for Black and Brown and LGBTQ communities as well. In terms of what I've seen of the LGBTQ community, one of the hard things about, you know, us is that there's not always a lot of data on LGBTQ engagement. When you think about, you know, going to apply for a business loan or some of these other opportunities that are more economic or business metric related, few instances are you asked if you are LGBTQ? And so a lot of that sort of happened throughout the pandemic as well. There wasn't a lot of data collection necessarily in terms of how LGBTQ business owners were faring through the pandemic. But locally, we do know a good amount of anecdotal information about how folks are fared. We did see that for the most part, there were not. So a lot of our businesses who are in our membership are already small businesses that are one to 10 employees. And so a lot of these folks were already small, already kind of nimble in terms of team makeup and their structure. And so we didn't see where a lot of, of our LGBTQ-owned businesses closed. 
but definitely a lot of them scaled down in terms of operations. And so, as you all know, there were a lot of instances where small businesses were laying off their employees so that they could be able to access unemployment. And so we know that there were instances like that because, you know, the companies weren't able to afford to pay employees during this time. And so there was a lot of scaling back and sort of just temporarily laying folks off to sort of weather the pandemic. We did also see where, of course, with that, a lot of people lost a lot of revenue, a lot of income. And so that meant a lot of lost opportunities in terms of upcoming expansion and growth. We had a number of businesses who were in the process of either getting um, a new restaurant location or adding second locations or we're about to remodel existing buildings, but based on losing revenue, we're not able to afford with these um, opportunities, especially for those, you know, the restaurant where none of us were able to go out to dine in person and to enjoy these places. That business was definitely set back and is at this point right now raising funds again to try to go after another opportunity to purchase a new building. And so we know that The biggest challenge really ahead of us for LGBTQ and all small businesses, especially diverse owned businesses, is really at this point accessing capital to move forward. And so that's where a lot of the lost opportunities were, was really not having capital. Even when you look at some of the grants that were made available from cities, states, and even, you know, corporate, et cetera, most of the, the grants, while definitely understandable, were primarily focused on businesses owned by people of color and women. Of those opportunities specifically outlined inclusion for LGBTQ folks. And so there were not a lot of grants available made for folks within FIS LGBTQ to weather the storm through this time. And so at this point, it's all about access to capital and really trying to connect people to those resources as we move forward. That reminds me of this episode that we listened to with one of the, the capital groups we're supporting through our Living Our Values, and it's called Fundraising While Black. <laughs> and it talks about just like all the different hurdles of what it means to, to gain access. And so that's definitely something to reflect on and, and what we could do better to create this ecosystem. I wanted to switch a little bit on your end and ask, you know, we talked about your journey. We talked about the the experiences we have in the workplace and the communities that we impact. Is there something that you're working on right now that's really exciting? You mentioned starting your own practice, but is there anything that, that you feel really ignited on and would like to share with us? Sure. So in terms of chamber-wise, this is sort of a, a long-term, always working on initiative. I mean, earlier I mentioned the LGBT Business Enterprise Certification Right now, the certification is primarily recognized in the private sector. So about more than two thirds of Fortune 500 companies actively include and recognize LGBT certified businesses in their supplier diversity programs. However, across the country, there are very few states, counties, cities that provide the same recognition and access for local LGBTQ tax paying business owners and residents. And so one of the things that we've been advocating for is really trying to make that change happen here within Illinois. And we've been able to make some very slow progress. But of course, with the pandemic, you know, we've all we've all been slowed down together. And so last year we were able to make some great progress 
in passing a resolution with the city of Chicago where they held a study to determine how they currently in, in the past have engaged with LGBTQ owned businesses in terms of contracting opportunities. And so we're in the aftermath of waiting on that information and next steps and are excited about where that journey is possibly headed. There are a number of great cities already, like New York, Orlando, Nashville, already doing some of this. And so we're wanting to catch up. And then another thing is really our statewide growth. We are a statewide chamber, but we've been headquartered in Chicago for 21 of those years. This is now our 25th year. And so really excited about the growth, the outreach, and all these nuggets of Illinois communities that we're going to be able to come into contact with and the resources that we're going to be able to provide to those local LGBTQ-owned businesses. I think that's also exciting because that means that we're also going to uh, become much more connected to different types of LGBTQ-owned businesses. I think especially as we get into more rural and downstate areas, we'll definitely be able to see some more unique businesses, perhaps more so than what we see here in Chicago. So I'm really excited about that. And then, of course, finally, you mentioned starting my own business. One thing that I am excited about this coming up, I am currently working on a nonprofit board matchmaking event happening on November 4th in partnership with a company called Lime Red. It's a great opportunity for nonprofits to sign up to get matched with some local great talents here in Chicago. And then there's also a great opportunity for local talent to sign up to get matched with some awesome nonprofits here locally in Chicago. And so I'm excited about all those great things. That does actually sound really exciting and like a great initiative. We'll make sure we link that information uh, in, this, in this podcast um, so people can participate. Keeping on the, you know, what we're looking forward to, just from a visionary standpoint, what, what is your hope and determination? I know this is kind of a generic question, but I feel like the space will, will lend itself to the question. What do you hope for the future for like LGBTQ businesses and employees as it relates to what this period of rapid transformation that we're in? It's also with a lot of opportunity to, you know, continue to push the envelope and recreate, you know, the world, right? In a very real, real way. What is your hope for specifically from the lens of LGBTQ businesses and, you know, you know, people that are finding their ways in, in, their, in their professional careers. What's your hope for what happens over this next decade? And, and then how can we and, and inclusion champions like ourselves continue to help to, to push that forward, push that vision forward? So in for the workplace, a couple of years ago, I forgot who did the study, but I think the, it showed that somewhere between 49 and 51% of LGBTQ folks were still not out in the workplace. And so that's still a very significant of people who are not able to actively bring their authentic selves and voices to work. And so when that is happening, then we're losing out on people bringing their full brilliance, their full talents, um, their full capabilities. And so that is really impacting how companies are able to move forward, to achieve success, to maximize opportunities for investors, and so my hope is that corporations will continue to find opportunities to make space and to create voice for LGBTQ folks to be dynamic in the workplace. The more that we can do that, I know that LGBTQ folks can even add more contribution to how 
organizations are successful. Of course, I hope that also happens for Black, all BIPOC communities and women, that all these things happen, that we can all show up, be brilliant, be awesome, and to be able to lend our voices to all the great things happening within our companies. I believe that it might have been the Human Rights Campaign study that found that 49, 51% statistics. Don't quote me on it, but you can find it on Google. And then um, in terms of businesses, and other than that, I would add, I really just hope that they flourish and find success. I hope that all businesses recognize the impact of certification and how certification can be a great tool in expanding the reach of your business. And so I hope that any LGBTQ business listening today will look into a certification and how it can help you get connected to a much diverse range of corporate and other small to medium-sized businesses for cook for contracting opportunities. I'd love to just double click on that question really fast because we work with a lot of global companies and some of the things that we hear is, well, of course we believe in LGBTQ rights. You know, we work in Russia or we work in Egypt. And I think that's a barrier that doesn't necessarily have to be, like both can be true. Mm-hmm. And so what what's the suggestion in the context of certifications or advocacy within organizations to say like you can celebrate pride and and create better policies and still have local impacts in countries that, you know, are, there's a a spectrum, right? So I'd love to hear if you, if you don't mind sharing your thoughts on that. I definitely do understand there are definitely countries and cultures where being inclusive, promoting pride, LGBTQ life may not be the way of that culture, the norms of the, of those people. However, we know that they are LGBTQ folks every single place, all across this world, and every single level of employment. So we still have to be smart in terms of how we brand ourselves as a company so that those folks who are still not out in the workplace, they still know that they can show up to your company and that they will still be able to be celebrated and that they will be able to work here in peace. Even if I showed up to your workplace as a trans person and I didn't want anyone to know, I would hope that I'm coming to a company that has trans inclusive policies and insurance that I would be able to access. And that perhaps on your social media, you're saying we celebrate and support these people who are trans and non-binary to live a way that they choose to. I understand maybe not having internal activities or programs because it may be something that in the norms of that place, of that culture, could be perhaps harmful to those employees. But there's definitely ways to, again, create those policies and to be an outward ally to those people without putting anyone in harm of having their identity come to light with others. I love that. So you're saying that even if it's it's just messaging or branding, it still means safety. It's signaling that I'll be safe here, right? It does, especially again when you support it with policies that can support that. So I do, and you know, I want to see it from the outside that I can come there and be accepted. And then for sure, I want to make sure that once I'm in, you have systems and policies in place that are going to keep me there as an employee. So definitely being sure to have both of those. But yes, branding and messaging is definitely one of the most important parts. And of course, also plays a big impact in terms of how local culture in communities can also shift and begin to change. Major voices are willing to say, hey, this is how we should be respecting people in our communities. It helps 
local communities think how they look at society a little bit differently. This has been, you know, quite the conversation, Jeremy. I appreciate you sharing your insights with us. Anything else you'd like to share before we, we conclude for today, your, your last sign off? So I know, I think a lot of times when, you know, companies think about a lot of the DEI work or JEDI work, there's a lot of hesitancy because there's a goal to get it perfect from the start. And we don't want to do anything wrong that's going to offend anyone, that's going to get us in trouble. And so I encourage uh, companies to think about that a little bit. So we do definitely want to make sure that we have some great safeguards in place and that we've fully thought about the impact of this. But a lot of this work, I think, is always going to be a journey. Culture is always evolving. The way we look at society is always evolving. So I encourage companies to find somewhere to get started and then to begin the journey from there. There's never going to be a perfect world of doing this work, but if you don't do it, you're always going to be missing out and you're always going to be missing out on great talent. You want to miss out on gaining new customers. You want to miss out on gaining new investors. And so don't be afraid to start the journey somewhere because you have the hesitancy to want to do it perfect. Find a place, invest in it, and begin your growth journey from there. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening. We hope what you heard today resonated with you. Please go to the show notes and follow us on Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter to share your own stories from the field. There you also find information about us and how we're leveraging inclusion to transform systems, culture, and individuals. Also, feel free to drop us a line and tell us about your journey. We can't wait to meet you.